OPN Ask an Angel podcasts are conversations with global angel investors and venture capitalists. We explore how to invest, understanding investment strategies, and approaches to due diligence. Join us and learn what it takes to be a startup or what it takes to invest in the next great company. Welcome to the Supporters Fund Ask an Angel. I'm your host, Jeffrey Potvin. And today, please welcome my two guests. We're going above and beyond today. So we have Neil and Abhinav. And we're pretty excited to have you guys on the show today. And the best way for us to start is I'll get you guys to introduce yourselves. Maybe Neil will start with yourself. And just a quick background on your uh, yourself from your school, the teaching side, and what you guys are doing now. And then one thing about you that nobody would know. Understood. And uh, thanks for having us here as well. Um, yeah. So um, it's, I think, uh, so I did my, like, engineering and electronics um, through an engineering school back in India. And I initially was very much into the electronic space as well. I did some research around material sciences and did some experimentation with graphene. Just realized that that space was more or less moving very slow. Uh, so I kind of got interested into finance and quant side of things, did a minor in finance as well, uh, along with my education in engineering. And I did a short stint in the algorithmic and diocese team at JP Morgan. Um, but I realized that tech and finance were like two different things that were being explored over there. Even though it was a role that was supposed to be something between finance and tech, it just felt like there was a disconnect over there. And in 2020, I came across this thing called DeFi, um, which is decentralized finance. And just looking at the sheer innovation happening in that space, I realized that this is what actually finance and tech combined should look like. And I just decided to make that switch over and join Woodstock. And as far as something that um, you was, uh, like, I can share would be, I'm a cycling enthusiast. Back in 2021, I did around six and a half thousand kilometers of cycling as well. So that is something that I do in my free time. Brilliant. In your free time, it sounds like you might be doing that uh, quite a bit every day. That's awesome. Very good sport. And uh, great to hear about the, the DeFi section. I think that that's brilliant. Very exciting. Uh, Abhinav, over to you, sir. Thank you so much, Jeffrey, for having us today. Uh, I'm Abhinav. I am a computer science undergraduate. I did my uh, uh, bachelor's in computer science along with a minor in finance. Uh, so my interests have been in the blockchain space for quite some time. I did a few projects in my uh, undergraduate study, and then I did a thesis in blockchain as well, where I focused on... Uh, collaborative intrusion detection systems uh, for IoT networks. Like it sounds nerdy, but it was a lot of fun, definitely. So uh, that's how I got into blockchain and research. Like uh, I was like more or less fascinated by the way uh, distributed computers work and how distributed computation uh, is being looked at, especially from a research and uh, uh, implementation point of view. So it got me into that and then slowly and gradually uh, I came across like Woodstock, uh, our co-founder is also from the same university. So like, it just happened to be that my interest in finance and my knowledge of blockchains uh, combined together brought me into Woodstock and like uh, that's how like my journey began. Uh, something that most people don't know about me is that I'm a live. I don't drink, I don't smoke. Uh, I, I, I guess that, that's something that is unique about me probably. Amazing. Well, that's a that's a great start, and and I love again the background, the tech side, um, and it's good that you're. What was the term called where you don't? 
Uh, you don't drink, you don't smoke. Yeah, yeah. so it's a teetotaler. T e e o t o t a l e r. Yeah. I'm not even going to try to attempt the word, but that sounds pretty amazing. <laughs> so um, I, I feel I won't be able to say it correctly, but that's I love that. So that's a, a really great initiative, and of, and certainly uh, I want to dive more into the background that you both have because. One of the things that's a little bit different about what we're doing today, and we talked about this before, is that the approach is that one, you guys are coming year, two years out of school, and you're diving into the finance space. And what excited me about excited me about when we first met and first chatted was that you guys had a lot of great knowledge and understanding of this whole new Web 3.0. And you guys are working inside of Woodstock. And just to share a little bit of detail on Woodstock, Woodstock is a venture capital firm. And you guys run and operate out of all of India, is that correct? Yeah, India, UAE. Yes, that's correct. And when you guys started this, or when it was started, uh, you guys both came in from a research uh, analyst perspective, bringing your finance, your tech backgrounds, which I think is phenomenal. But you're also bringing something that you probably don't see very often in a VC firm, and that is the young understanding of the new world of tech. And this is what got me excited when you guys, when we first started talking, was that this is something that, you know, I think a lot of VC firms may not have the knowledge or the background to because they're not always hiring people that are right out of school, that are in research side and utilizing them for their knowledge, but their inapt ability to work inside of this new space. Um, and it's pretty exciting because you guys probably grew up and I call it the uh, uh the young tech recycling group, because when you guys were born, you were born into recycling and you're born into tech. So you were born with a phone in your hand or an iPad, and that's pretty much all you've been using for the rest of the year, the last 20, 30 years, and everything was about recycling. And now you guys are being able to utilize those skills. So maybe what we can do is we can talk a little bit about, you know, the understanding, like, and you mentioned this, Neil, when you first started in school, uh, you had this excitement, you're going into engineering, you got into the banking sector, and then you're like, well, this isn't really doing it for me. It's not really the tech that I was looking for. And then boom, you hit this web 3.0 and now life's changed. Can you talk a little bit about what is that emphasis to you? What really makes a big difference in this journey that you're on in, in life that really focused on getting into DeFi, getting into this new tech and why this is making things more exciting for you than your standard working at a bank nine to five type of thing? Definitely. And yeah, it's a really interesting question that you asked this as well. So when I did my internship back at JV Morgan, the process was basically there were, there's a few ideas. You need to create a code that works and creates these indices. So it's a fairly straightforward process that comes in from the managing managing directors. Then it comes down to the research associates. Then it comes down to the analyst. As an analyst and as the amount of research and reading that I was doing in the financial quant space, I was I wanted to build things. I didn't want to just take those instructions and just create a basic code for that. And what I saw based on all the regulation that had kicked in after the 20, 2008 financial crisis, the innovation in that space was extremely slow. One very basic idea takes more than two quarters to being developed and then shipped out to their clients. But in DeFi, you can have an idea, you can work on it for a few months to a few weeks, that kind of time horizon, and you can ship that product out and you can actually see millions of dollars being traded live on it. And this access was not just limited to institutional clients. Any retailer and institution could come and use your idea, build on top of it. And that to me was just beautiful. And that's the reason I, why I 
came into the space and i hope to work into the space for a long time because this opportunity to innovate that people like me people of my age at the age of 20 to 25 get in this space is unparalleled or comparable to what traditional finance has to offer what i love about that in 100% is that a lot of people aren't looking at coming into this space. No, there's now a school that's offering classes and everything around venture capital and being able to get into the space, but taking the approach that you did, which was build a degree around something that you were passionate about, and now going in and finding companies that are doing this, doing research and saying, you know what, maybe we could invest in these companies or let's get into this web 3.0 and really drive it forward. So Abhinav, when you started in this journey as well, um, and you guys have very similar backgrounds, what was the piece that really interested you the most about diving into um, getting into Woodstock for one uh, and then getting into a business that was focused heavily on this Web 3.0? Yeah, I think like for me, it was more or less similar to what Neil mentioned. So I did a stint with IBM. I uh, tried out how software development works. Uh, I was coding in uh, university as well, but I wanted to see how, uh, how I would fare in a corporate environment. And for me, that was like very mundane and very boring. Like it, it just, they give you a task and you have to do that, this, and you're done. Like that's it. There is no innovation. There is no uh, thinking outside the box. So uh, when like v- once I was done with this whole software uh, developer stint, I was like, okay, like let me go back to the roots. I like researching a lot. I like reading about things uh, and I like formulating ideas, plans, uh, in order to at least have some sort of innovation to what has already existed. So I started mo- reading more about blockchains and I started understanding how does the actual blockchain concept work from a, a technical point of view? Like how, how can I put my degree in computer science in use uh, by studying blockchains? So I like my approach was totally technical. I was enjoying the technology. Uh, and just it happened to be that, okay, uh, Woodstock was looking for someone who had experience with technology, who had a computer science background, and who also knew how blockchain works, because blockchain was still, an, uh, it's still a young space to be in, right? So uh, when I joined, like I was like, okay, I started out with technology and everything. So I was more sitting behind the computer, understanding uh, how the tech site works and what are the different projects uh, doing uh, but then like slowly and gradually i evolved into like uh, talking to more and more projects providing them insights into what all i have studied from speaking to more than 300 400 different companies that are building on the blockchain and the web 3.0 space so that was more or less uh, how i got into this space uh, it was out of my own interest and like I would say some sort of serendipity which like got me into uh, Woodstock as well and now uh, the Web3 holds, uh, Web3 ecosystem. No, I think that's great and, and, and a great way to, to get introduced into the space, which I think is, again, um, pretty exciting for anybody to have an understanding, a background in it, and then be able to migrate into uh, doing research and and helping investments uh, come to fruition through your knowledge. And I think that's pretty awesome. Um, maybe to kind of take and peel the onion back a little bit, maybe what we should do is we should define what 3.0 means to you guys. And maybe 
uh, Neil, you can share a little bit about because I know that in Woodstock, you guys focus on, I'd say, four areas from from what I gather, which is DeFi, NFTs, Web 3.0. And then uh, I guess you're kind of looking at maybe the ultra or this other category. Uh, Maybe you can talk a little bit about what those look like and what they actually mean. So I'm sure a lot of people may not have that understanding of what is Web 3.0. Um, and I could probably go on all day about uh, NFTs and DeFi, but maybe, uh, Neil, you can start by giving us just your overview of what Web 3.0 means to you. Um, kind of boiling it down to a very simple words, Web 3.0 to me is just democratizing the access and the opportunity that internet has, has created for everyone. Currently, if we look at the value that has been generated through everything that has built on top of internet, anything, ask this question to anyone, their answer would just be the tech giants, the fan companies. These are the companies that have been able to generate the maximum returns, power, and the data that has been captured. But Web 3.0 to me is an opportunity to build all of these applications and more. And by more, I mean financialization, gaming, all of these industries. And these can be built in a way in which all stakeholders, including builders, users, people who are providing auxiliary services are able to make sufficient returns based on the contribution that they're making. Yeah, that's Web3 to me, kind of democratizing the returns and opportunity in the space. Really what it's doing is it's it's taking the controls out of big business from them doing everything and pushing this down to the user and saying, look, We don't need to pamper it up with all of these advisors and portfolio managers. We're going to let you do all the work and you're going to pay for it. You can use our systems and we're going to allow you to take care of it and run it. And if there's an issue, no worries. You got it because you're the smart person in the room and we're going to help you educate yourself on how money works, on how trading works. And eventually all of this will become decentralized from them and put in the hands of the user. And we're going to hopefully build a stronger community of people that understand things a little bit better. Is that a fair a fair assessment? Yeah, I think it's a fair assessment. And herein comes, I think, a criticism of Web3 as well, that it is difficult for common people to understand. And I feel the kind of work that we're doing and the kind of work that everyone in the space is doing is right now. And I hope for the next few years is just to educate everyone else about what is happening in the space and explaining it to them how they can not get burned through all the noise in the space and can focus on the actual innovation and development happening around. So I think that's a fair assessment, yeah. Great, and now, Abhinav, you guys are looking at different companies in the token space, infrastructure side, Web 3.0, NFTs, DeFi. Uh, Maybe you can give us an example of what token, what tokenization means. Again, this is gonna be probably not new to everybody, especially in the tax sector that would be uh, part of our listeners, but maybe you can talk a little bit about um, what you guys look for in tokenizing companies or in what DeFi means to you. Perfect. So I think uh, when it comes to like all the different sectors that are available on Web3 and that are being built, uh, DeFi has caught everyone's eye a lot because like when it comes to finance and uh, bringing technology to finance, the whole marriage is a very strong suit for everyone. So I think uh, if you want to break down DeFi and tokenization, uh, one thing is to be sure that why do we need uh, 
like the use case of decentralized finance why is it important and as neil mentioned it's about giving the power to the people it's about the open source community it's about the transparency that you can get through by using a blockchain so i think that is the key use case that defi provides to us uh, and that has been a very powerful tool in uniting uh, the whole web3 community around it so that that's that's how uh, we look at it and then we look then when we talk about uh, uh, tokenization i think we are trying to focus more on how do we make access available to different people in a better manner so tokenization uh, has been uh, the focus of uh, different companies like whether it is uh, companies like propine whether it is companies like uh, something in the defi space like frontier or maybe mudrex so these companies that are on our portfolio they're pr- trying to make access uh, more uh, easy for everyone in this space whether you are like an individual whether you are a retailer whether you are a company and so on so that's been the goal of uh, tokenization altogether perfect great explanation and then i'll i'll throw the last two over to you neil if you can just describe a little bit on the nft side as well as the infrastructure side on again how this all wraps into the web 3.0 understood um so nfts is probably the thing that so we saw the onset of defi happening back in 2020 but something that we realized towards the end of 2020 was finance is not interesting this is not something that drives people to an application what people and how trends and the viral culture that we are right now in um what brings people is something which is exciting something that they can kind of show off to their friends and that is where nfts have come onto the stage not nfts that is non fungible tokens have been a digital representation of a collectible item that may be art that may just be a profile picture that you can use for your social media and all of these um opportunities that nfts have given nfts can be a representation of anything that we cannot have in a fungible manner so anything that you do not want to put a currency kind of a status to you can convert it to an nft whether it could be real estate it could be a legal contract it could be art it could be collectibles so the design space for nfts is pretty huge and how they've come onto the stage is pretty remarkable if you think about it two of the really popular nft collections that is the bored ape club and the mutant ape club they did more volume they did close to 480 million dollars of volume in the last month that is the january 2022 that was more than 10 million more than the entire box office did around the world so they have come and have set this cultural moment um, in the space right now which is unparalleled we haven't seen something like this happen in decades this is probably something which is going to be defining our culture in the future and it, it's great that you said that that it defines the culture and it it is so fascinating how how this is defining the culture just like web 2.0 and web 1.0 it's the fact that it looks like the world is getting bored of what's going on and we've been trying to find a way to change things you can't make money when things get boring so you're trying to find ways to shift the way the money works shift the way people are interacting and it kind of seems like it's the next natural next steps to web 2.0 was that you know what we did everything we did the whole group thing then we went to self building and now we're going to change everything all over one more time and we're going to throw in make you the empowered person and we're going to drop the big business as best as we can and we're going to decentralize everything so much 
that you got to figure out how to make money to live and survive. And right now, inflation's going through the roof. Uh, costs are crazy. Hiring people, the resource side has gone through the roof. And everybody's sitting at home. And the entire pandemic is just, how do I get 12 more jobs? And how do I create more income so that I'm making more money? And then, boom, all of a sudden, NFTs pop up. And now I can design something and sell it like crazy. Even though art has been around for hundreds of thousands of years, today they're making more money selling art and monkeys than any other time in history. And it's all transacted on some small digital piece that we all own and share and can see, but boom, that's gonna change the way we all operate. And now it's shifting the way the mind works because now you're going to school and now you guys could probably look at it and say, and this comes out a few times online, do I really need to go and get an education? I can sit at home and trade NFTs, I can, sell and buy Bitcoin and Ethereum. I can do some blockchain stuff. I don't think I need a high school or university anymore. I can just self-educate. So now it looks like education is going to change because now there's a possibility that education is also decentralized and it hasn't been talked about. But I look at it and think the governments can't afford all of this. They can't afford to keep it. In a lot of countries, a lot of people don't go past grade nine. So maybe the rest of the world starts to decentralize that. And now they put the education and impetus on you to learn, except for maybe doctors and other things that have a profession. What's your thoughts, uh, Abhinav, around that on if everything starts to unfold and everything starts to become decentralized, how, how do you think the markets are gonna be able to? Yeah, I think Jeffrey, that's a really good analysis of where we could potentially end up. Uh, and that sounds rather dystopian. I don't think like people should uh, stop focusing on the basic education and start jumping into you know NFTs and trading Bitcoin and so on. I think we need to have a good balance between what we fundamentally need to learn and where we see the whole technology space going. Uh, so I think it, it's like the vision that you just painted in my head uh, sounds very dystopian. Uh, we do not want everything to become so decentralized and so chaotic that uh, we are not even able to fulfill the basic needs uh, that our society uh, requires us to. So a uh, better way to look at it is some sort of controlled uh, uh, decentralization uh, because it's a spectrum at the end of the day. It's not like either you'll be... Uh, totally centralized or you can be totally decentralized you will be somewhere in the middle so we just need to find the right middle ground and we need to have the right regulations and legal uh, compromises in place where we are able to work together with the governments the people have enough power to uh, just collaborate in a better way rather than uh, things working in a siloed manner as they do now so it's more about openness, more about transparency. And I think that is where we should uh, lead to and not uh, totally chaos and decentralization in a way where education is just lost as uh, its essence. So uh, self-education is great. I definitely agree with that, but uh, it should not be that we are putting the cost uh, of self-education, uh, I would say the cost of education in front of uh, our fundamental knowledge that we need to build. And I love that you say that and you take that approach because one, that shows that uh, you see the value in the structure that has been built to this point. But I also think that there's a, an interesting piece where innovation does come in. 
is that over the better part of the last 10 years, when they have been moving people to be able to do degrees online, that there has been with doing it yourself online, um, only 1% of all people that take courses online actually graduate. So there is a significant amount of drop that happens because people aren't putting the effort in and they're not moving themselves into that position. And the people that go to the school tend, typically tend to graduate because they're in the mix of things. So the technology is there, but it's in the place where you need to be in order to learn and educate. So taking that approach obviously sounds uh, like a great way to balance out all of these changes that might occur. And it, you know, even if the world does decentralize where the governments are gonna put their money because of taxes or inflation, whatever those costs are, that technology is an enabler and that people still have to use that term, that it's an enabler, it's not a distraction or takeaway from the initial uh, goals. So that all of a sudden you find that this, uh, as you called it, this dystopia change that's occurred. And now everybody's in chaos because the process is broken. They don't know where to go and what to do next. Um, but it's fascinating that uh, in tech and in the areas that we've talked about, that this whole 3.0 is so new that we don't really know what's going to come out of it. But I think it's exciting. And I think that even if education changes, I think it's going to change to be the best possible way that it can be. And that's what I think Web 3.0 is. It's that it's revolutionizing the way we view life and the way that we interact, the way we communicate, and the way that we do anything is really becoming this new robotic generation of change. And now, Neil, taking your, your background on engineering side, uh, there is a lot of um, engineering, robotics, all of these things are really going into the computing, massive power computing side of things. Um, how are you guys as a, a research and, and uh, adventure firm, how are you guys looking at that aspect? Is this something that's super exciting and you guys are diving in deep into Israel because they do a lot of this uh, robotic stuff? What does that look like for you guys? Um, so uh, as you mentioned, like um, I think we are the age, like we are the generation that has has this exposure with technology and we basically fall in love with almost every new tech that is coming into the space as well. But uh, Woodstock as a fund, our main focus has been in the Web3 space and the subcategories of DeFi, NFT, gaming, and infrastructure pertaining to the blockchain and uh, tech stack. But yeah, as you mentioned- well, There could be a potential in the future. Yeah, uh, potentially in the future, we aim to be an emerging technology fund. So as the future goes ahead and we see the opportunity and the development in these spaces also reaching the place where we feel comfortable going into these spaces, that is definitely something we should look into. And I'm, I'm in a personal capacity, I really love the development in robotics, IoT, machine learning that is happening around the world. E2. Oh, yeah, it's exciting. I just love talking tech, man. So this is all, all very exciting. Um, Maybe maybe the, the next little thing that we can dive into real quick, and, and maybe, Neil, we'll start with yourself. Share a little bit about maybe some views on what you see happening in Web 3.0 over the next two to three years. Where do you see the big changes going to happen? Do you see that NFTs are going to take off and die? Do you see that um, the DeFi side of things is going to be tremendous, that banks are going to have to buy companies like crazy to keep up with the pace of it? Uh, that capital is going to change and tokenization is going to be 80% of any government's uh, next steps. What are you guys, what are you personally seeing um, around this space and what's your predictions for the next uh, 
two to three years in the Web 3.0 space. Understood. So uh, I particularly focus my research on DeFi and the gaming industry. So I, I can kind of touch up on that. Um, DeFi, it's go- grown from like, let's say $1 billion back in 2020 to almost a $250 billion industry right now. And every day I see it eating a pie from the traditional financial services industry, which is again, a $5 trillion industry. So my prediction is that DeFi will at least go and become more than a $1 trillion industry in the next two to three years. That is something that I personally believe uh, through the sheer innovation or just the migration and tokenization of real world assets that currently traditional financial services firms do. So I feel there's going to be a two-pronged approach to DeFi going to a trillion dollar industry. One is going to be through the innovation that they create and the other being tokenization of um, the services that current organizations are offering. And when it comes to gaming, the the design space is just pretty huge, right? We've seen the uh, acquisition of Activision Blizzard by Microsoft, Facebook transitioning to Meta, and the entire Web 3.0 ecosystem also kind of diving deep into the idea of Metaverse. So I believe that industry is going to be pretty huge considering if the COVID-related situations continue around the world and we are experiencing more of these variants, our digital lives are going to become an increasing part of our lives. And kind of having that metaverse to kind of go back into and relax and chill, that will be something that will have enormous potential over the next two to three years. I love it. And totally uh, support and back that. I, I, I see the, the growth 100% huge and making it to be a trillion dollars in three years. Uh, I don't see that being a very tough, uh, tough nut to crack. And then I, I think on the gaming side, man, you know, I've been gaming for a very long time myself and and it's changed so dramatically that even with Activision being purchased uh, and everything else that's going on in this space, it, it is becoming, it, we won't even notice that we're in a game. It, it's just happening so quickly. There's so much happening around us in this space uh, that everybody and their grandmother will be playing if they haven't already started. So uh, great advice. I love that. Um, Abhinav, how about yourself? How, how are you seeing on the spaces that you're personally diving into? So, uh, like Azneen mentioned, like he looks at DeFi and NFTs, I take a more uh, a different approach towards infrastructure and how tooling uh, uh, is used in order to make these things ha- uh, happen. So, I think like on the blockchain side itself, we're going to see a lot more scalability in terms of how much we can process, how much we can uh, compute on the blockchain layer, or what execution levels can we achieve, uh, especially on uh, the base protocol itself. So scalability is going to be very big. And uh, as we have seen that like the whole Web3 ecosystem is still fragmented. So we are going to see a lot of interoperable uh, uh, blockchain solutions that come up and basically bridge these gaps uh, just to make sure that we are not uh, creating another infrastructure that is siloed. Uh, and we are working uh, like in order to create a mesh sort of uh, situation where everything is connected to everything and interacts with uh, each other in such a seamless way that a user does not even realize how it works. So I think scalability and interoperability are going to be some very, very key, uh, uh, I would say, innovations moving forward as well. And uh, I think another thing we would see in the Web3 space would be user experience and user interface, how they are going to change uh, over time in order to make things easy for even a non-technical person to just, you know, go on uh, and buy a Bitcoin or decentralized exchange or 
uh, have a wallet where you can just interact with all different DeFi application, buy an NFT, sell an NFT, uh, do trades, play games, and have a whole ecosystem in just you know the uh, palm uh, on your palm. So it's just I think that's that's where we are moving towards. And in terms of uh, uh, the whole space growing, I think uh, more new sectors will emerge as well. Uh, it's not just going to be DeFi, uh, NFTs. It, we might have uh, something related to quantum computing coming onto the blockchain and like merging together in order to form a bigger tech stack that enables a lot of uh, new features. So that that's the vision that I have. And I feel like we are going to be very, very uh, strongly moving towards that given the inflow of uh, people we are seeing in the Web3 space. The world is creating a lot of brilliant people and they're all getting utilized as much as possible across all these new businesses. So it's very exciting, very exciting. Um, I wanted to touch base just quickly on one of the things that you said because what popped in my head when you were sharing it um, was that I was reading an article and uh, saw a video of uh, the Olympics going on in, in China right now. And they've created this massive bubble around, I think it's three bubbles around uh, everybody that is going, participating, news, everything that's going on inside of it. And what they talked about is that everything is done by QR codes, testing um, to obviously protect on the COVID side. Um, and they're all over everything. There's no connection on the outside world. It's all divided, blocked out. But what was really fascinating is that all of your food being served, uh, the cleaning, everything is all done with robots. That the entire facility is being managed and operated by using deep tech, massive infrastructure that needs to be to run these uh, throughout the entire place. And it was, I was in awe watching this. It felt like we were in 2080 or something like, wow, this tech has really taken off. And I'm going to say China's leading that. We have never seen this before, where they're literally running everything with tech. And who knew this was even being built? So I think this is pretty impressive that they were able to come up with this. And it's all under the radar. Uh, it's literally just running the Olympics. And there's robots going around and doing everything. So uh, what are your guys' thoughts on that? Is, is it too soon? Or, man, it's, it hasn't uh, been soon enough. And we're glad that this has jumped out. And what an infrastructure they must be running to be able to support all of this tech. Neil, what's your thoughts? I, I completely feel that this is a great achievement that they've done. This is potentially a great experiment as well. And this can kind of showcase how events can be done in the future, uh, considering if the pandemic-like conditions go ahead. This is something, that, this could be the next great China export to the world, in my opinion, something like this. And Jeffrey, just to touch upon, like you mentioned that this was happening all in the background, nobody knew about it. I think maybe Web3 is where this comes into the open source space, where not only researchers working in China are focusing on this technology, but a collective global approach is being uh, taken uh, so that we like arrive to a certain level much faster. And then in a more collaborative way, we are where uh, we can, all of us can benefit from it and not just have uh, silos built. That's the best line of the entire show today, right there. Uh, I love it. You're, you're bang on. It, it is all about being collaborative and ensuring that the rest of the world can jump on top of all of these things together and that everybody works together to build up this type of technology that supports and enables humans to be better, faster, quicker, more efficient, smarter, and environmentally friendly uh, versus how we've been acting. So 
I, I do agree. And I really do uh, take that uh, to heart that I hope Web 3.0 is more about collaboration and, and that defying everything does really um, open it up to the rest of the world uh, by decentralizing the way people are operating and governments are working and that there's a lot more collaboration that goes on from this. So very well said, very well shared. So we're going to kind of make a, a little bit of a, a, a pivot here and we're going to move into uh, more of our rapid fire questions. And the way we'll do this is uh, we'll start on the business side. Um, I'll let you guys, uh, maybe you can both share an answer. Maybe we'll take flashcard. Well, you guys do it right at the same time, just so that we get both answers. And then we'll do just a couple of the personal side questions. And each one of you can kind of answer them because the business side, you're both going to both work for the same um, venture firm. So you'll get out that information. So we'll just kind of whip through that, but it'll share a, a lot of great uh, grander details around how uh, you guys are operating there. So if that works for you guys, it's literally one or the other. How's that? Yeah, sounds good. Okay, perfect. Business. All right. Who would you work invest in first? Uh, would you rather go for a founder or co-founder? I believe founder. Uh, there is always going to be this opportunity of building this core team around the founder, but a founder who has the vision and the clarity around what they're building is really important in my opinion. Okay. What's more interesting to you guys, unicorn or a four-year 10x exit? Uh, I would say a unicorn. Okay. Do you guys rather invest in NFTs or anything and everything under Web 3.0? Anything and everything under Web 3.0. Okay. What do you prefer, AI or blockchain? Oh, this one's easy. <laughs> I would go definitely go with blockchain. But yeah, I see a great future for AI and a good collaboration happening on AI plus blockchain. Nope, agreed. Fair enough. Uh, first time founder or a second or third time founder? I think there is an added advantage to a second or a third time founder. Either it is just a successful exit or learning from their previous mistakes as well. Learning is always good, and, and uh, it, it certainly does come across on both, but the risk of the first-time founder is always exciting, too. First money in or Series A investment? Uh, I would say both, but yeah, first money in is definitely more interesting and more exciting, as you just mentioned. Okay. Would you guys take a board seat or observer seat? I think we'd like to take a board seat as well, kind of be hands-on with the projects that we work with. Okay. Safe or convertible note? Uh, this one's tricky. I would rather not comment on this one. This is not my area of expertise. Okay. Lead or follow? Lead. We're working in an Equity. industry. Oh. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, we, we are kind of working towards an industry that is going to be leading bulk of how technologies and technologists collaborate in the future. So definitely lead. I love it. Equity or interest payments? Uh, I would go with equity. Okay. Number of companies invested per year? Close. We did invest in almost 30 companies, I think, 30 to 35 companies last year. Bam! Huge. Awesome. Two qualities in a startup that you guys look for that will stand out and interest you guys in wanting to invest. 
I think perseverance, like you need to be uh, sure that you are going at your use case just head on. You don't care what is happening. You are ready to do anything, whatever it takes to get your company up to speed. And I also believe timing to be a very critical factor. You could be building the best product that could solve world's every problem, but unless or until you're timing it correctly, it may not just work out. I like it. Those are uh, both very valuable points. Okay, we're going to jump into the personal side. Book or movie? Book. Yeah, that's movie for me. <laughs> Superman or Batman? Batman. Batman. Superman does get downplayed. I think he's only ever had one vote. Restaurant oh, <laughs> or picnic? Uh, picnic. I'll take restaurant. All right. Five minutes with Bezos or Oprah? Bezos. Bezos, yeah. Mountain or beach? Beach. Beach all the way. Mount, mountains. Mountains, yeah. Bike or run? Run. What? You're a cyclist. How can you say run? I... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, okay. that, that's too much biking. <laughs> I'll go with too much biking. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Good. All right. Big Mac or Chicken McNuggets? McNuggets. Uh, uh, I'm a vegetarian, so uh, none of these options work that great for me. All right. Fair enough. We'll let that one slide. Trophy or money? Money. Depends on the trophy. <laughs> Uh, all right. I'm going to say it's a big trophy, six foot tall. I think still money. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Camera or mobile phone? Camera. Mobile phone. Concert or amusement park? Concert. This is tough. Um, yeah, I think concerts as well. Fortune cookie or birthday cake? Birthday cake. Birthday cake. All right, now we're going to go into the last few questions here. And these ones are going to have to, this, these two questions you're going to have to answer uh, like, so that there's no, uh, right at the same time, because uh, I don't want you to think about it. All right. Okay. First brand that pops into your mind. Amazon. Amazon and Nike. Is that what was said? All right. Most famous person that pops in your mind. Satoshi Nakamoto. Elon Musk. Nice. Nice. Big money, both big money. Look at you guys. That's huge. I like it. I like it. All right. Uh, these ones aren't as aggressive. You don't have to go as fast. So, uh, favorite sports team? Favorite? Uh, I'd go. Sports team. I'd go with Chelsea Football Club. I don't want to say Los Angeles Lakers, but yeah, I do support them a lot. So yeah, that's all right. I one of my questions used to be uh, Manchester United or Arsenal, and no one ever picked Arsenal. So I decided that I was going to remove the question because I couldn't find any Arsenal fans. So uh, I'm realizing that it's a good thing I removed it because you guys didn't pick Arsenal either. <laughs> so uh, more more Chelsea and uh, Manu fans. All right. Favorite movie and what character would you play in the movie? I'm a huge fan of the Jobs Lord of the Rings. Steve Jobs. 
All right. So Steve Jobs and he would play. Yeah, I think any character in Lord of the Rings would do. I would even play the Ent as well. That would be great. All right, Lord of the Rings. That's good. And Abhinav, what was yours? Oh, you're on mute. The Steve Jobs. Here. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. I, I mentioned Steve Jobs uh, in the movie Jobs. Yeah. Okay, so it'd be Steve Jobs. All right, that's good. You guys are uh, uh, big, big movies. That's good. I like it. All right, favorite book. Psychology of Money. I recently read that. I really like that book. Uh, I'll say Thinking Fast and Slow. That was a very pivotal book for me. Done. You guys are just adding to my reading list, so I appreciate that. Thank you. I will uh, make sure I read those ones, but I've built a nice, uh, nice list. So, uh, brilliant, brilliant. Well, I want to say, gentlemen, that it was a pleasure getting to learn more about how you guys see the world, all the great things that you've accomplished, and of course, everything that Woodstock's doing on being super innovative and diving into this Web 3.0 and, and, and investing in this space, which is pretty amazing. Um, the world is uh, shifting really quickly. Very, very, very exciting. All of these uh, new areas um, really blow my mind and I love the innovation side and, and we get excited about making investments into these areas as well. But I thank you guys very much for sharing your perspective, sharing all of the information that you have today. And the way that we like to end our show is like, we like to give you guys the last word. So anything that you want to say to startups or to investors, I turn it over to you both. Uh, maybe um, Abhinav, you can start, but I just wanted to say again, guys, thank you very much for all that insight and, and glad you're able to, to share that today. Thank you so much for Jeff. Uh, thank you so much, Jeffrey, for having us. I think it was a great session and like it, it's just like the questions were really amazing. So it gives us more insight into what we think about ourselves as well as about how we see the world. So thank you so much for that. Uh, and on last words, I think I just want to say uh, that everyone should look into this space. This is going to be big. Web3 is coming uh, for the good. So uh, whether you're a startup, you're an investor, you're an individual, you're a developer, or you're just a common folk, take a look at technology, take a look at Web3 and see what opportunity can you make out of this? Yeah, uh, again, thanks Jeffrey for having us over here for the session as well. And yeah, my message to founders would just be, whatever industry you guys have been working on, it would be just great to have your expertise in your industry coming over to Web3 and making something great together. So that is that would be my message. We would love to kind of hear your perspective, take your knowledge and work together to build something which is really good. Awesome. I love it. And I think the the other line that I'll use to, to summarize all the, the great things that you guys talked about today is that hopefully everybody can do this together and we can open source and uh, collaborate as much as possible around the world to, to help 3.0 really help change the way innovation is working in every country. Okay, that was awesome. Um, Abhinav and Neil diving into the whole web 3.0. And what I found exciting about this is that kind of a different show that we normally um, have. But what I loved about it was that we really got to better understand uh, a different perspective of where um, the younger analysts are coming from and what they're looking for and how they're seeing the world change. And what I loved about this is that the guys really understood their whole uh, tokenization 
uh, DeFi, NFTs, Web 3.0, of course, all of this is surrounded underneath that infrastructure and how much this is changing the world in the next three to five years, uh, just how um, scalable blockchain is going to be, um, quantum computing jumping in. And, and I love the whole supporting side of it of collaboration. And maybe this is three, Web 3.0, not only people, but maybe this also opens up uh, governments and businesses to start to uh, collaborate more and utilize the same tech and be able to open up and uh, look for that world of utopia, which is um, everybody being able to share and, and work together. So uh, loved it. All great uh, insights. And of course, there are two things that they look for, uh, perseverance and timing. Uh, so keep up the hustle. And uh, thank you very much, everybody, for uh, for joining us today. If you enjoyed this conversation, please feel free to share uh, with your friends or subscribe and or Stitcher. Your support and comments are truly appreciated. You can also check us out at supportersfund.com or for startup events, visit opn.ninja. Thank you and have a great day.